Welcome to That Psych Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. On this show, we talk about how to thrive in the sport of running, from on the road to in the kitchen to in your own mind. We hear inspirational stories from others and talk about the psychology behind it all. I'm so happy you're here and enjoy the show. As a PhD student in clinical psychology, you know I'm a huge fan of mental health. And mental health is not just the absence of mental distress, but it's also the presence of thriving and flourishing. And that's where therapy comes in. Therapy, regardless if you have a psychiatric diagnosis, is so good for you. Whether you're going through something stressful in life or you just want to learn how to grow and absolutely thrive. And that is why I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be so hard, especially when you're limited to the options that are in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in my description, which is betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10. So that's betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10, and that's like the number 10. Clicking that link helps support this channel, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating if you don't fit with that therapist, which is a common thing with therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. BetterHelp can help you not only feel better, but also just thrive in life regardless of where you're at or what you're going through. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash Sabrina10. Thank you again, BetterHelp, for supporting this channel. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm literally so excited for today's episode. Like you have no idea. I have Catherine Kelly on the show or you might know her as Fast and Flow and I just absolutely love Catherine. She is amazing and we are going to have the best conversation ever. So without further ado, Catherine, do you want to introduce yourself further? Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me on, Sabrina. I am so excited. I've actually never been a guest on someone else's podcast. It's very different from recording by yourself. Um, so bear with me here. But yeah, if you guys don't know me from social media, I'm Fast and Flow, otherwise known as Katherine Kelly, your running bestie. That's how I always introduce myself. Um, I am primarily a long distance runner. I love the marathon distance. Sometimes I wish that I would like a shorter distance better, but turns out I love to run marathons, um, but I do not discriminate. I will race any distance. I just absolutely love running. It is my biggest passion in life. I'm so happy that I found a medium to be able to share that love with other people and just show how you can work really hard, but have a lot of fun doing it. That is definitely my primary goal of sharing on social media. But <laughs> during my day job, I actually work in corporate strategy at a fitness company, um, I also recently became an F45 instructor, which has been really cool for me. Um, I love connecting with people in person and social media is awesome to, to be able to reach a lot of different people, but I feel like it's also important to like bring it back into reality and actually meet and connect with people in real life. To me, there's nothing that can replace just how happy that makes me. 
So that's what I'm up to at the moment. I live in New York City with my fiance and my dog. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a little bit about me. I love that. You are just like the most well-rounded human being <laughs> for real. Like she does everything. And didn't you just like, I just listened to your podcast about that, like trying to do it all. And it's just like, you are doing everything. You're absolutely slaying it in life. And an F45 instructor, like, okay, I've been wanting to try so bad, but I'm like, I don't know if I should like commit financially, but I'm also like, it looks like amazing. So I got to try it out now. A hundred percent. And I actually, I feel like people don't believe me when I say this, but like, I'm so scared to go to new workout classes. I thought about going to F45 for probably six months before I actually went. Same thing with joining a run club. Like I ruminated on it for a year, literally, because I'm so nervous about going into a social setting that I've never been in before and like having to introduce myself. And I always think that everyone there already knows each other and it's like not going to want to talk to me. And that's, I feel like sometimes from social media, like that might not come across because I'm obviously like just very outspoken and happy. But I also do really resonate when people are like, oh, I'm afraid to go try something or I've been thinking about it. And the best advice I would say for that is like, just try it. Like what is going one time to whether it's a run club or a workout class or something you've been thinking about? Um, maybe you spend 20 or $30, maybe you spend an hour doing it, but you might actually find something that like you really, really love. And that ends up changing your life, which is so crazy. And all it took was like maybe one hour. Um, and I feel like the more times you just kind of do that, the more trust you have in yourself that you're going to be able to handle yourself in any new situation. Um, and even with like meeting new people, I feel like I've just gained so much confidence um, in myself over the past year of having to go to a run club where I don't know anyone and introduce myself. And um, I think you always think that people, if they're being quiet, I always used to think, oh, it's just because they don't want to talk to me, but it actually might be because they are also nervous. And so being the one who actually is the inclusive one and reaches out and just says, Hey, like I'm Catherine, what's your name? And actually starting that conversation, you can just see people's eyes just light up and how happy they are to have somebody talking to them and interacting with them. So a little bit of a tangent, I'm such a tangential speaker, but that's been really cool about just like trying new workout classes and new things over the past year. I, that's so, that is such great advice. And I think that a lot of our listeners can resonate with that, like being nervous to try a run club or try a workout class. And so one, you just convinced me to go try my F45, but also <laughs> guys, if you are contemplating going to a run club or workout class, you should, I mean, that is honestly how things start. It's just giving it a try once. And then, I mean, that's what really leads you. It could literally change your life. So that's great advice. Look at us. We're like five minutes in and we're already like getting the most <laughs> amazing life advice like we love this oh my gosh. <laughs> Catherine is just a queen okay <laughs> um okay so I guess you love running you're an amazing runner um give us your running story from the start line to the finish line or to where you ever you are right yes. now you know? <laughs> we're, we're never getting to the finish line because no. we just keep getting better and that's something I love about running I and I, I hope I can run literally until the day that I am no longer on this earth um I think it's such an amazing thing even if it's just getting outside and jogging or walking um I honestly really got inspired at first from my grandpa who was a huge marathon runner and he is 81 years old now and he can't run anymore, but he still like goes to the park and walks five miles every day. And is always telling me about all the different runners that he saw and just hearing him like 
talk about watching these runners and just wishing that he could be back there being able to run because of just how much he loved it. Make like whenever I'm really deep in a marathon and like feeling so much pain, I always think about that. I'm like, there are people that would give an arm and a leg to just be able to run one more mile. And I do it for them when I'm really not feeling good. Um, but kind of taking you back to the beginning, beginning of when I really started, I guess, long distance running. Like I was always somebody who was very active, played sports during high school, soccer, lacrosse, swimming. I ran track in the off season to stay in shape. If you asked me to run anything longer than a mile, I thought that was long distance. I was like, absolutely not. I was a sprinter. Um, and yeah, I didn't really start long distance running until I got to college. And I feel like I kind of see that happen with a lot of people and it's kind of a way, I think it started as a way to just cope with everything that is going on freshman year and you're in a new place. I had gone to college. I was in a relationship then that relationship ended and that I wasn't playing a sport anymore. So I just had so much extra time. Um, and I think I almost needed a way to like organize my world and running kind of became that for me, um, which is really, really cool that I was able to find something so like healthy and like something that really changed my life in such a positive way. But I will say, I definitely don't think I started running for the right reasons. And I've talked about this before on my social media, and I will always continue to talk about this because I think there are a lot of people that find running either to just try to lose weight or be really skinny, or they're just running away from their problems. Um, and I definitely don't think I started from the most healthy place, but the beautiful thing about running, and I think a lot of people share this journey is they end up actually finding their biggest passion in life and it ends up changing their life. So while they might not have started for the right reasons, they're in it for the right reasons now. And to see that transition happen in people is literally one of the craziest and like the most beautiful things ever. And I feel like that's something I connect with a lot with people on my social media, but started running in college, signed up for a marathon and really did not know how to train. Like I was training in a very unhealthy way. I did not understand proper recovery, proper fueling. And again, I've talked about this a lot, but I ran my first marathon in five hours and two minutes. And I actually really didn't feel proud of myself at all, which is a, a really horrible feeling, especially when you've done something that so many people dream about doing. Um, and obviously my body was healthy enough to get across the line, but I just didn't feel proud. I was very injured. I knew I had so much more in me. Um, and I just kind of felt disappointed in myself. Um, and most of it was just because I wasn't, I wasn't treating my body properly while I was training and again, was doing it for the wrong reasons. So I kind of took a break after that from really long distance running. I thought, Oh, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I just can't handle it. But over time, as I started to really learn about nutrition and fueling, I actually ended up I ended up living with uh, lacrosse players during college because some of my best friends were on the lacrosse team and being able to watch them and see like literally just how much they were eating, how much they were focusing on getting in protein and carbs and going to the weight room and lifting really heavy. And like seeing that was actually really good for me because I think it was just kind of, it was a very healthy reminder that I needed. Um, so I started to come back to running once I graduated, was in the city, um, that's actually when I met my now fiance, we're getting married in five months, which is insane. But running is one of the things that we 
like first bonded over, I actually turned him into a long distance runner. He was, he was doing a few miles here and there, but he became addicted to endurance running <laughs> after being with me. Um, and we actually just started running. We, we never run races together. People ask me this all the time, but I'm like, if you want us to get married, we will not be running races together because that will actually destroy. We're just both very competitive and it will destroy our relationship. Not actually, but we're competitive and it's really it's a it's a really healthy little competitive um, nature that we both have. But we started signing up for races together. And then in 2022, we did nine plus one, which I feel like that was really our entrance into the New York city running community, because we were forced to obviously go do nine races and a volunteer event. And throughout that entire time, um, I thought it was going to feel like a burden. I was like, Oh my gosh, we have to go to all these races. We have to wake up at 6am every Saturday morning to get these done. It actually ended up being the best experience that we've ever had. We met so many people. We started meeting other runners and that's when I really started getting introduced to run clubs because I had kind of seen them, but I also feel like over the past year, run clubs have really exploded. It might just be like biased because I'm on social media and I see all of it now, but I do think they're kind of like getting very popular, which I love. Um, so I got introduced to my first run club and yeah, I really need to find the TikTok because I recorded a TikTok when I was going to the first run club, just talking to the phone, being like, okay, guys, I'm going to go. I'm making this video. So I go, I'm so scared right now, but I'm going to go. And I need to find that TikTok because I literally was so scared to go to that first run club. Um, but yeah, I've been a part of a few different, different run clubs for the past year and a half. And that's what really got me into more competitive, um, running and racing, I guess I would call it I, beforehand was running, you know, for years and years, but it was kind of more for mental health to clear my mind, to get away from my computer. Um, especially I was working in investment banking after graduation. So there really was no time for me to have any type of structured training. It was just getting out for a few miles. And that was kind of like my saving grace for the day. Um, and literally what kept me sane, not even being like, I'm not even exaggerating. It's what kept me going. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, but over the past year and a half, I've gotten into, um, actually doing structured training and, uh, learning more about running. I'm becoming a certified running coach. I'm a certified personal trainer. So I really like to, I feel like when I understand the science behind things, it makes me adhere to the protocol a lot more because I understand what I'm doing, what biological adaptations are actually occurring in my body. And it makes me want to do it even more because I know that I'm getting better. So started sharing basically when I, when I first started going to run clubs, that's when I really started sharing everything on social media. Um, I think I kind of took the leap of just, it's crazy because before that I ran for probably six years and I didn't consider myself a runner um, which I know a lot of people struggle with identifying with th themselves as a runner because they're like, oh, well, I'm not, uh, I can't run at this certain pace. I haven't run a marathon, so I'm not a runner. I can't run under this time, so I'm not a runner. And if you are running, you are a runner, like point blank. And it's so crazy how long it took me to really identify with that. But once I really started believing in that and believing in myself, yeah, everything just kind of changed over the past year. And it's been really cool to see. And I feel like this is just the beginning of me believing in myself. So I can't wait to see what happens from here. But yeah, New York City Marathon definitely was a turning point for me and just believing that I can do a lot more than I thought that I could. So that was long, but that hopefully a little. So good that there was so much good in there. 
And oh my gosh, I wish I could unpack all of it. But something that I really have heard like a theme throughout your story is that like you really had to make this mindset shift. I mean, you achieved an incredible time. So just for reference, listeners, do you want to give people the most recent marathon time um, from from your five hour, two minute marathon to what did you just run at New York? Yes, I ran a 3.12.03 at New York. So yeah. Amazing. It's crazy when you do something that you didn't think you could do. Like, obviously I was outwardly sharing, oh, I wanted to run a 3.20. And I was kind of sharing that on my social media from the beginning of my training. And as training started progressing and I was in the final few weeks, I started thinking, maybe I can go a little bit under 3.20. There are some people in my run club, like, I think you can do a 3.15. And I was like, I don't know, that sounds really fast. When you start looking at the actual paces you have to be splitting, uh, it seems crazy. And it even seems crazy to me right now. When I try to hit that pace, I can barely run that. I can't, I can't hold my marathon pace for like even more than a mile, which is so, 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 so normal. Like you lose fitness after a marathon. That's so normal. That's a good thing. And that's like a whole nother topic, but I couldn't just go out again and run. I ran a 312 and it was like one of those moments in life where you're like, how the hell did I get here? Um, and I, those don't happen to me often. I just hold myself to like a really, really high standard. And so, yeah, I soaked up every single moment of that. It like actually was the best moment of my life, not to sound dramatic, but it was, it was awesome. It's a pretty, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it seems like, like, Wow, that's amazing. Um, and also, I totally resonate with that being it's the best moment of your life because truly, once you finish a marathon and then you achieve a personal best, you're like, wow, like there's nothing like that experience. But a theme that I keep hearing kind of throughout your story that I think is so important is really reframing your mindset from being like, oh, I'm just like running for fun to like being an athlete. So like, when did that mindset shift occur? And like, how how did you make that happen? I know you mentioned, you know, going to run clubs, but I think like, what's the importance of that? Yeah, I think with anything in life, you have to change how you identify yourself if you really want to make a sustainable change. So I do relate a lot of things back to running because that's obviously what I love to do. And it's just a very easy medium for me to use to kind of talk about things. But even with social media, I, I was working in investment banking. Like I wasn't like, Oh, I can be an, I can be an influencer. I was like, that sounds literally crazy. It sounds cringy. Like it just, I, until I really started telling myself, like you are a running influencer, like you are going to help people. You are going to post this. It's like, you have to literally change the identity of who you are. And so this actually really started back in April of 2022. That's when I ran the Brooklyn marathon. I ran a 331. So I was super, super close to that 330 mark that I know everyone's always talking about uh, because of the Boston qualifying time. But I, the only race I had run before that was a marathon that I ran in five hours and two minutes. So it was kind of like, I wasn't even really telling anyone this because I was, I was like, if I tell some people this, they're going to be like, what makes you think you can take 90 minutes off of your marathon time? But in my own head, I kept saying, you are a 330 runner, like you will run a 330 marathon. And so I just pretended like I had already done it and trained to those times, which is, I don't exactly know how to explain like getting into that headspace, but it's not one moment. It's a repeated 
action. It's a repeated like thought that you tell yourself because really anything that you tell yourself will become true to you. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm not good enough, I can't run fast enough. And that is on the soundtrack playing over and over and over again in your mind, then you will make that true. But if you wake up every day, and again, it doesn't happen with you just standing there one time being like, I'm going to run a 330. It's you repeating that in your own mind and then actually following up with the work. So following up with, okay, what if I were to run a 330, I just like literally Googled this. This was before I was part of a run club. I Googled like how to run a 330 marathon. Like I literally didn't know what to do. I found schedules online that showed me the breakdown of what I was supposed to do, the paces that I was supposed to hit. That's about an eight minute pace on average. So I was like, okay, how many times a week do I have to be running at that pace, under that pace? How long do I have to run? And I just tried to essentially mimic that to, to get to a 3.30. And I got really close. I got to a 3, 3.30.50 to be exact. But I think that was the first time that I really was like, oh, wow, if you actually adhere to a protocol, it works. It's not, and I think a lot of people ask me this, like, oh, how do I start running? And how do I start doing this? It's like, you literally just start and then you just keep doing it every single day. There's no magic pill. There's no shortcut. Like it's just showing up for yourself every single day. And I think running really, really teaches you that delayed gratification because you set a goal and then you work for it day in and day out for months on end without understanding if it's actually going to work. Um, but once you do it once you start to believe in that process. And so I think that was the first time that I really was like, okay, this works. I set a goal, I set a plan and I stuck to the plan and it worked. And, um, and yeah, it's just kind of knocking, knocking away in increments. So I didn't, you know, it was a, a year and a half after I ran the 331 till I ran a 312, which, you know, was a big jump in time. But I raced probably three or four half marathons in between that. Like I was constantly running and getting better and learning more. And I think confidence is something that's built because you, you continue practicing something. So I wouldn't be, if you told me to go out on stage and do a dance, I would not be confident in myself because I've never danced before. I've never practiced that before. But if you told me to go out and run, I would be very confident because I show up for myself every day and I practice running. So like being confident again, is not like, it's not something that might come super easily or super quickly, but when you continue practicing the same thing again and again and again, that's what really builds the confidence. And I think once you realize that, and you get a little hold of that, a little taste of that, your mind just kind of runs and you're like, well, what else can I do? And you just really start used. Yeah. I don't know. You really just start believing in yourself. And it's a really, it's a really beautiful cycle that starts to happen. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think, and there's a lot of psychological research and like that backs up exactly what you're saying. I mean, there's something in social psychology called um, the self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm sure many of our listeners have heard of it. But I mean, it's when you actually, when you speak something into existence, you are much more likely to achieve it. But you do have to do it repeatedly because what happens is your brain forms these neural pathways, like what you speak into existence. It'll form that pathway that's associated with the, like, with the behaviors and actions needed to achieve whatever you just spoke into existence. And the more that you speak it, the more likely 
it's going to happen because those neural pathways are strengthening. And so the fact that you were like, I'm going to run a 330 marathon and you identified as that. And then it happened is like 100% that effect. And it's just like, it's so cool to see that in like action. And like, you can actually do that. And I remember actually when I was training for my very first marathon, which was this May, I was like, I am, I saw your reel or it was like, whatever. I don't even know how many years ago it was, but I saw you say that. And I'm like, I should start doing that. And so I started training. I'm like, I'm a 330 marathon. Even though I have like, I've never run a marathon in my life. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember I was like, Catherine Kelly said this and she did this. So like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be like, I'm going to 330 marathoner. And like my Spotify playlist, it was like 330 marathon. And it was just like everything like that, like manifestation and it worked. And so it's like, it's really cool what you can do, like your body and mind can do when you actually like speak it into existence and live according to what you just spoke into existence. Yeah. When you said that about your Spotify playlist, it just made me think. <laughs> I literally blocked off on my calendar from my start time to when I wanted my finish time to be of how long I would be running the New York marathon. And, and I hit it exactly, which is crazy, but I'm telling you, like, I don't just say these things. Like I actually do that. Like you literally have to pretend like it's already in the back. Like you're like, I'm going to do, there's no question in my mind. I'm going to do it. And yeah, it just, I don't know. It's really cool. It's cool when stuff like that happens and it's cool when you, um, I actually was just reading, I like read a passage every day and it, the passage that I was just reading was like the universe says yes to whatever you ask of it or to, like to whatever you put out. So, but it works in both ways. Like if you're, if you're always thinking, oh, I'm never going to make enough money and I'm never going to run fast enough. And it's like the universe will affirm that it will say, yes, you are right. But if you affirm like, I'm going to have a successful career. I'm going to have an amazing relationship. I'm going to run these times. Like the universe is going to back you up because what happens is like, and I'm sure there's some psychological principle that actually goes with this, that you probably know way more about, but it's like, uh, whatever you like, you will subconsciously start doing things that support how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you see if like, if I see myself as an athlete and I see myself as a runner, I subconsciously will be like going out and like doing things. For example, like I just noticed I started eating differently. Like I started being like, what would an athlete eat? And I started eating that way. I, I didn't like consciously do that, but it was almost like, because I made this identity shift, I started looking for all these other things in my life that could support my new identity. And so it was like going to run clubs, putting myself in the faster pace group eating like an athlete, fueling like an athlete, sleeping like an athlete. I got a whoop and I started really paying attention to my recovery data, which I've never done before, but I was like an athlete would do that. And so, yeah, it's just kind of like finding all these other things in your life to support your, your new identity. It's crazy. Yes, absolutely. And oh my gosh, you hit it right on the nail. Like it is what you're like, you literally act in ways that are whether it's subconscious or conscious that fulfill what you put out into the universe. And it really is, honestly, it is so, it's like all mental, like everything in life. Like we can literally choose to see a situation positively. Like, okay, I am all about expressing your emotions. Like suppressing your emotions is one of the biggest correlates of like physical health problems and like a lot of different conditions, right? But you should not like dwell on the negatives or what bad things could happen because if you do you're gonna man like it's you are going to fulfill that you are going to say oh I'm worthless I'm a failure I'm never gonna achieve this goal it's a, okay then you won't but like if you actually do like 
it's okay. There's this actually really cool study. I totally don't remember the name of it or the, but it was conducted in like the 1970s. Sorry, this is a total tangent, but it's like wild. So these researchers came into the school system, right? And there's a bunch of factors were controlled, right? Like the grade, the, I think they were in like third grade or something like that, like the subject material, the teachers. And um, there was a group of like 10 different teachers, 10 different classrooms um, and then this whole public school system. And half the teachers were told that, um, their kids or sorry, each teacher was told that a select amount of students were smart and a select amount of students were falling behind, according to this new standardized test. They weren't, you know, it was just like hypothetical and they weren't allowed to talk about it overtly to the students, but they still, after testing, controlling for the baseline, the students who they said were smart performed significantly better than the students who they told the teachers that were not smart. And the teachers had nothing to, like, the students heard nothing. They heard nothing about your smart. It was the teachers because they subconsciously manifested the smartness of their students. So that is, like, it's crazy what the mind can do. That's actually an insane study. I've never heard of that study before. That is crazy. Literally, wow. it's wild. And so even like what you're talking about, like seeing like once you do it once, you know, you can do it yeah. again and again because you prove yourself like we learn through so many different ways. And often like vicarious learning is another way where we can really say like, oh, this is actually possible because if you don't think it's possible, it will not happen. Like you have to make it happen. Like it is possible and you have to put in the work. A hundred percent. And like, I love how you said that too, because I feel like kind of almost what we're talking about is kind of like manifestation, like putting these things out into yeah. the universe. Right. But manifestation only works if it's followed by action. That's the hard work by working hard. But like the manifesting part is you changing your identity. You're like, I am becoming this person. I see my future self and I'm like kind of going towards my future self. But in order to get there, you have to put in a lot of work and like, that's not easy. It's, it's really difficult, but it actually is, it doesn't seem as difficult when you changed your identity. Cause you're like, no, like this is what I do. I am this person now. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. So yeah, it's, I love psychology. It's so awesome. Running is so, so psychological. Right. It's wild to me. It's so cool. Oh, sorry. I got an email. Um, yeah, if you guys have been listening to my podcast now, you know I get emails throughout my podcast that I don't delete because I'm real on here. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm embracing imperfections, but absolutely. Love <laughs> I love it. So after you started kind of like identifying as an athlete, you know, you said you like change your eating behaviors, you change the way you sleep, you change the way you identify because you are an athlete. So what are some things that you did to like implement that hard work? Like how did you get through those tough, tough workouts and like, because I know a lot of people here, like they struggle with motivation. They struggle. They're like, even though I'm an athlete, like, right. It, those hard workouts yeah. can be hard. So like, what did you do and how did you put in the work? I guess. A hundred percent. I think the first thing is accepting that like this shit is going to be hard. It is not easy. And if you want to get better and faster, the only way to do that is, is by enduring, a, you know, quite a bit of discomfort. Uh, maybe even you might call it painful at times, not painful in the way of injury. I always feel like I have to make that um, discrepancy, but you might perceive it as being painful. Um, but that's really the only way that you are going to get better. Like, I think there's this rhetoric, which is true, kind of going around with run slow to run fast. And I, I do like that. I, ha I halfway like that because 
it does emphasize the fact that you do need to take slow runs. If you're running every day as fast as you can, you're going to fall into this almost like almost this like kind of mediocre trap, which is like all your runs end up being mediocre, but none of them actually end up being those runs that are really going to push you to the next level. Um, and so I do love the take your runs easy, but I think the other half of that statement that's really missing is run your easy days easy so that you can give it everything you have on your speed work days. And you, I, I'll just speak for myself. I literally cannot run fast the next day after I give it my all on a speed work day. I am, I'm done for like truly. Um, so you don't have to tell me twice to run easy. Like my body is like, that is the only thing that I can do actually. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of, it's called polarized training. So it's, you know, taking your hard days really hard and your easy days really easy. And, um, I think that has actually helped me a lot. You know, first of all, motivation is, is, you know, great when you have it, but you obviously can't rely on that. And I have heard this a million times. I'm sure you have too, but it's, it is really discipline. And I think sometimes discipline is a scary word to people because it sounds really intense, but it doesn't have to be, it, it can be something that is actually really exciting to you when you realize that it's really just adherence. It's an adherence to a plan. And when you realize that if you do that, you can have whatever you want in life. That's a really exciting thing. That's not a scary thing. That's like the best thing in the world. Um, but this kind of reworking my training to be a polarized training, which is the easy days, easy and the hard days hard actually makes it a lot easier to train, even though that, even though you are pushing really hard in those hard efforts, because on the easy days, you get to go out and you get to meet up with friends. First of all, running with people, definitely the number one thing that changed, completely changed the way I train, completely changed running from a solo sport into a team sport. I mean, at the end of the day, obviously it is you, you against the clock, but being able to be with other people it just, it kind of sometimes makes you forget what you're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends, uh, but we're going to go do a workout. But I don't even really concentrate on that part. I just, I'm like, oh, I get to see my friends and we get to catch up and talk about what we did this week and like what our holiday plans are. And I concentrate on that, which is the really fun part of it. And then the running just kind of follows. So becoming part of run clubs has really changed the way I train, but um, knowing that you can kind of reserving the days when you know you're going to give it a hard effort. And then knowing that all of the other days, like only 20% of my miles around there are, are, are tough. The other 80% really are quite enjoyable. Um, and so once you start training like that, I think it actually makes it a lot better because 80% of the time you're kind of just hanging out, having fun. So then when that other 20% comes around, you're actually like excited to go after it because your body's feeling good. You're rested. Um, and you're ready to go for it. And so I think that's definitely been something that's really helped me. Um, I guess, I guess becoming a little bit more prescriptive with my training in, in a way has actually made it more enjoyable because then there's no question about, oh, am I doing an easy run today? Am I doing a hard run today? How far am I running? You're like, oh, I have my training. I have my plan. I've got my people that I'm running with. And it, it, it honestly just turns it into such an enjoyable experience. And, one of my friends actually recently got into running. Um, I made her a little half marathon plan a couple months ago, and it was really cool to watch her do it. I, I made it in the Google Doc so she could check it off. And she knew that I was, you know, I was looking and it was kind of an 
part of it was just accountability to, to get the work done. Um, <clears throat> but something I said to her, cause she was super nervous about, well, what if I do all this training and I still don't hit my goal? And she actually did not end up hitting her goal time, but she still texted me this long, long paragraphs and called me after and was like, that was the best thing I've ever done, even though she didn't hit her goal time. And she's actually running New York, <laughs> the New York marathon this year, which is crazy. Cause she, before a year and a half ago, really hadn't run at all. Um, so maybe that's just a testament to like how much running can really change your life for the better. But the one thing I told her was like, it actually doesn't matter what happens on race day because doing the work and showing up for yourself and doing the training is what's going to change your life. The actual race isn't what's going to change your life. It might be a great day. And like, don't get me wrong. I had a great day at the New York marathon. I've also had a, a ton of really shitty days when I've raced. It's been some of the worst days. And so the actual race day isn't what's going to change your life. It's keeping the promises that you make to yourself and showing up every day and training for yourself. And you will literally feel invincible. Like you will feel unstoppable. And that feeling is, is so amazing because when you start feeling like that, you want, you're like, Oh my gosh, like ring the bells. Like other people should know that you can feel this way. And I think that's what really like made me so excited to start sharing this stuff on social media. And I talk about like my, the friend who I'm talking about is one of my best friends. She's one of my bridesmaids. Like I also talk about this in my real life every day because I'm like, people need to know how good you can feel about yourself um, when you when you keep the promises that you make to yourself. So I don't even remember the original question, but <laughs> that, that, there's my answer. <laughs> I love that. No, there's so much good in there. That's, I literally, oh my gosh, wow. There's so much to unpack and I'm like trying to figure, like there's just, that was so wise and so inspiring. And I think that's also very true. Like really just like following, like falling in love with the process is so much. I mean, that's a guaranteed way to love what you do, avoid burnout and to really find success in the sport. Because if you put all of your worth, if you are just training for the outcome, like, yes, having a why is so important. But like, if your why is the outcome, if it's to achieve a certain time, like that can be great, but it's also not everything because then if you don't achieve it, you're not going to like go for it. You might not go for it again. And it's like harder to find that motivation. So you really do have to fall in love with that process and really show yourself how badass you really are and just like going like getting out there when it's like freezing cold outside or when the conditions are terrible or going on a treadmill for 16 miles like that proves like that's a mental toughness oh yeah it's bad I've done that it's like it's the worst it's so bad but like also like when you finish you're like wow like I'm in like you can do anything like the mental like just rejuvenation that you experience from it is so amazing and so I do think that has such a good factor and like everything that you brought up um as far as that goes because it really is it comes down to that and often it's like not I mean there's so many people that get so nervous for speed workouts they get so anxious about it but it's like why like where's the anxiety coming from like is it well one because it's gonna hurt yeah that's valid but two like is it because you're not gonna achieve a pace it's like what if you just went out there and you just did your best like what if you like you know you have these loose paces tentative paces but like what if you just gave it your best took expectations off you are gonna perform so much better and you're gonna fall in love with the process because if you put these expectations yeah if you put these expectations on yourself in training that are like so hardcore and like you have it's like black or white like you're 
you're going to get burnt out. But like for me, I got speed workouts. I'm like, we'll see what pace I'm feeling today. And honestly, it's changed my life. So hundred percent. And I actually, that is, you know, that's actually bringing up something that I really did change in this last yeah. round of training, which was my mindset around speed work, because I'm somebody who's like, <laughs> I'm an endurance runner. I like to run easy. I like to run long and just like prance around. Those are my favorite types of runs. I don't particularly love grinding through speed work, but it is rewarding. And something that I really changed during this training cycle was my mindset around speed work. I was kind of thinking when you just said that, like me having the attitude. So every Tuesday I would do my, my tempo Tuesday. If you guys follow me on Instagram or TikTok, you know, I'm always talking about my tempo Tuesday, but tempo runs are pretty tough, especially when you are getting up there in pace and having to maintain pace for a long time, um, during kind of, once you get into the, the bulk of marathon training, some of those long tempo runs can really, can, can really be tough, but I just started going out there and being like, let's just see what I can do. And I almost would make it like a game. I'm like, let's just see like what I can do today. And instead of like having, a, like kind of how you said, like a specific pace in mind, I would have loose paces and I started off training, um, you know, kind of more towards that 320 time, as I was saying before, which was around a 740 mile. And because I went out there with the attitude of, you know, let's see what I can do. For the first few weeks that I was doing my tempo runs, I was hitting around 750, 745. And I was like, okay, okay, like we're, we're going, we're going. And then I eventually started dropping down to 740. Um, but then, you know, the, I feel like this happens to everyone, but I, I, that was kind of in the, in the heat of the summer. And as the fall came around and the weather started getting nicer, I started realizing, oh my gosh, like I'm dropping into the 730, 720, 715. And like, because I had this attitude of let's see what I can do, I didn't cap myself. I didn't say, nope, you're staying at a 740 pace and that's what you're doing. And I think that that attitude of, oh, let's just see what I can do you actually might end up surprising yourself on the upside. Um, and I've had this happen to me in races as well, where this year actually for the Staten Island half marathon, which I ran about four weeks before the New York marathon and for the New York marathon, um, I looked at my watch for the first two to three miles. I had it showing my, my mile, my average mile pace, just so I could, you know, it's sometimes hard when you start races because there's so many people around you. You like you're almost like living in a simulation. You're like, I have no idea how, if I'm running fast, if I'm running slow, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I think it is helpful for the first few miles, especially with these big races to, to kind of just like check down on your watch, make sure that you're in within the realm of, you know, where, where you could be on that day. Um, but then for both of those races, I turned my around mile three, turned my watch to just show the time. So I just said like 9:43 AM and I completely ran based off of feeling because what's actually happened to me is I'll start to see a pace that scares me. I'm like, Oh my God, like there's no way I'm going to be able to keep this up. And it scares me. And I slow myself down. But I said this year, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. Like I trust my body. And again, this is not something that might be possible if it's the first race you've ever run, but over time you like start to really build this confidence in your body, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, if you just let it rip and you just, you just trust your body and you just kind of have that, like, let's see what I can do today attitude. Um, yeah, I think you might actually end up surprising yourself on the upside, which is amazing. That's incredible. And absolutely. It's like when you turn it from like a competition into a game, 
it just changes your world. And that's, I love the whole like turn your watch on its face. Like I actually did not think of doing that until my recent um, Turkey Trot 10K, my coach, um, she was like, so I want you to just like turn your watch face down. She's like, you can look at it for a little bit that first half mile, but she's like, just trust yourself, run hard, see what you can do, just make it a game. And I was like, okay. So I did it. I was like so nervous. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Like I have no <laughs> idea what pace I'm at. I'm like, all I know is this sucks. And it hurts so bad. I hate short distance races. I'm like you, I'm a, I'm an endurance girly. I could yeah. <laughs> not, you cannot catch me running another 10K in a while, even though I probably should. But Anyway, um, I digress, but I ended up like my, it's funny because going off of this like mindset thing, I always had this like thing. I'm like, I don't think I could ever run two consecutive miles, sub seven minute miles. And then I did my turkey trot 10K and my average pace was like 648. And I was like, holy oh my gosh. crap. And I was like, what? Amazing. Is- <laughs> Thank you. And I was <laughs> like, what in the world? And I was like, the mind the way that you can just like, I mean, it sucked. Like I do not want to do that again anytime yeah. soon, but we did it. And I'm like, wow, okay. The mind is pretty cool. Like we can do hard things. And I think it's like your experience with that, like half marathon. It's like when you show yourself like, oh my gosh, wow, this is what I can do. Then it like really is a game changer. So a hundred percent. And like, <laughs> I love how you also talk about the fact that like this stuff doesn't feel good in the moment. No. Like running really hard feels not great. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially when you're just watching someone on social media, it might look like, wow, it's always so easy for them to just go out there and just crush their training and crush their speed work. And it is not easy. And that's why I try to show all sides of training on my social media. And, um, some days are really, really hard and some days really hurt, but, um, that's normal. And everyone goes through that. And I think when I was younger, I used to think, oh, if I feel pain or, you know, if it's stiff, if it's uncomfortable, I have to stop. No, you don't. You don't have to stop. It's literally your mind. It's a protection mechanism. There's something that's uncomfortable and your mind is saying, let's stop. Let's stop this. Let's get away from this. Like your body is trying to protect you, which is very kind. But at that moment, you must tell your mind, no, <laughs> we're here for, we're here to accomplish our goal. We're here for a reason and we're going to keep going. And, um, my kind of my, my little, I always have something in the back of my mind, like a little saying or a little mantra, um, kind of, I feel like every season I have something different, but this season I was always talk. I was always thinking about the fact that like your mind is going to give up on you 99% of the time before your body does. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me. Cause I thought, how many times have I fallen down? because I couldn't run anymore, not a single time. And I've run thousands of miles, thousands of runs, and not a single time has my body failed me, which is amazing. And I know that sometimes something can happen. You can get dehydrated and that's, you know, dangerous, but, uh, not a single, not a singular time, which means any time I thought that I couldn't go anymore, couldn't go any faster or further. It was, it was my mind, Mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy. And once you start to realize that like endurance running is the ultimate mind strengthening activity. Um, and then you take that with you, like you take that mental strength and you just feel like you can do anything in the world, which is, which is so awesome. And something that I do want to touch on, because I know we've been talking a lot about hitting goals and hitting paces and running fast, but like, this is all relative. And I think sometimes you can, again, see people online and like, see them hitting all of these like really fast times, but 
you don't have to be hitting those times to get any of these adaptations that we're talking about. It's you against you. It's you against your previous self. Um, and so if it's your first marathon, congrats, you're going to run your PR regardless. But then after that, you know, it's just, it's always you just trying to get better than you were previously. And that's a beautiful thing. It's like, has nothing to do with anyone else. And you don't need to be an elite runner and you don't need to be running the fastest marathon. You don't actually need to be running a marathon at all to be a runner or, or to be achieving any of these like adaptations that we're talking about or any of these mental strength or physical strength. And I always just want to make that super clear because running should be inclusive and anyone who tries to make it seem exclusive. Um, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, but, um, I just always want to like kind of put that note out there. So no, that is such an important note. And I feel like, again, the social media has really overcomplicated the sport of running in a way. And it's just like, I like you do not have to run for pace, for time, for anything. And like, it's just it makes me sad that like so many people put their worth and like what times they're achieving on social like and like compared to like what others are doing in social media. And so like if you are just wanting to go out and get out for a run a walk run, a walk, a freaking anything in life, like celebrate that. Like you do not need to be like considered like, sorry, let me rephrase this. You are an athlete regardless of your pace, of your goals, of anything. Like if you go out and you run once a week for 10 minutes, like you're an athlete, like you are still moving your body. Like you still can make these adaptations and really change your life like Catherine was saying. And so I think that's such an important point too, is that like you don't have to have these big goals. You can literally run for fun and you don't need all the tech. You don't need to do all of this stuff. And like if you are somebody who's achieving big goals and you don't want to achieve big goals anymore, that's fine too. Like anything, like literally just like celebrate who you are and like continually show yourself because I think the moment that it becomes not so fun for you is the moment that burnout can happen and a lot of negative adaptations can happen. And so I really thank you for bringing up that point. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of going off of that too, I think something that's been really helpful for me is like identifying why you're running that day or, you know, why you're running that season. And so for probably a lot of people, myself included, I'm not training for anything right now. It's the off season. It's about to be the holidays. Um, I go out and run now purely for the love of the game. Yeah. I'm not doing any speed work. I haven't done speed work for six weeks now. I'm not going to do it for another four weeks. So it'd probably be 10 weeks off from any type of structured training. Um, I'm not somebody who can do marathons back to back. I'm, I, I just, I can't, I literally put my heart and soul into every single day of training that I do. And I can't do that year round. And, um, I don't think it's necessarily healthy to do that year round. And so my goal right now with training is just to have fun and that's awesome. And so when you identify what your goal is, you can feel really good about what you're doing. If I, if I, was like feeling bad about myself because I wasn't doing speed work right now. I could easily go down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. like, but I've defined that that's not my goal right now. My goal is to have fun. My goal is to, I work from home. It's cold outside. My goal is to get outside for an hour a day, you know, go yeah. for a walk, go for a run. And so that's my goal right now. And, and like, as Sabrina was saying, like during different seasons of your life, you can have different goals. So if you're somebody who's like really training competitive, competitively right now, like I am, I'm really, really enjoying it. But to be honest, I'm probably not going to do this for the rest of my life. Like it's, it's exhausting. Um, it's fun right now and I love it, but I also really want to have children and I want to have a family and 
I'm sure that when I have kids, I'll run to show them that, you know, you can be really strong and you can do things that make yourself proud. But I doubt I will be, you know, spending copious hours and hours out there. You know, that's just not going to be the phase of life that I'll be in at that time. So I think it's like when you realize that like life kind of comes in phases and, you know, same thing with kind of like training blocks, you know, for that, you know, three or four months, you're in one phase and then you can move out of that phase and it's okay. And I think that's something that a lot of new runners struggle with specifically. Um, and I think it's something that I have made, you know, peace with at this point. I actually love the off season. <laughs> like I don't want to be training all the time, but I think when yeah. you are a new runner, you can feel like, Oh, if you're not training all the time, you're losing fitness and you are 100% correct. You will be losing fitness. Mm -hmm. And that is a good thing. You need to running is kind of like a staircase. You, you get a little bit better and then you kind of like come down a little bit. But when you start your next training block, you're going to be a little bit, you're going to be maybe on that one next step. Like maybe you came up two steps and then down one step, but you're still one step higher than when you started. And if you can kind of keep doing that time and time again, over your training blocks, you'll continue to get better and better, but you can't push hard every single day because that's, that's the quickest way to burn out that, that I know. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I also think something important too, is if you notice yourself getting really upset that you're not doing speed workout or you're really nervous that like you are going to lose fitness, if that's causing you clinically like significant anxiety, like I think that's a sign that you should rethink your relationship with the sport a little bit and kind of think of like where your identity lies and what you're doing it for. Um, because like, yes, you will lose fitness. And if that statement and that truth causes you a bunch of distress, like that's something to kind of work through and process a little bit, because I think it is important to kind of like note that like it's okay to lose fitness and like your worth is not tied into your fitness like you are not a professional athlete you are not getting paid for this like and if you do have that distress when you do lose fitness like maybe it's time to like find other aspects of your identity too that you can really capitalize on in this off season but yeah yeah I, I really resonate with that I just think it's like it's super topical because yeah. I've seen this kind of going around social media as well, just like runners in the off season, not knowing what to do with themselves. And I think it's okay. It's okay to feel a little uncomfortable. It's okay to not have, you know, I, I, people, I think a lot of runners are type A. They love the structure. Yep. They love being able to check their workout, their workout off for that day. But it's like, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay to not have that. And you can't be training 100% of the time. And that's awesome um, because you're not training. You're actually going to have extra energy to put into other things that you didn't have before. So like something that I'm super excited about is like, I've just been learning a lot more. Like I've been doing my running certification. I've been reading a lot about running. I didn't have time to do that before because I would go literally wake up, do like lift, do my work, go straight to run club, make my dinner, go to sleep, get up and do it all again. Like there literally was no other time. Um, not to mention just like the actual physical toll that, running that many miles, like, and really training takes on you. Like it's, it's exhausting. And so it's actually really cool when you're not doing that every day, because you can put a lot of your mental and physical energy into something else, um, mm -hmm. which I think is really awesome. And especially like in the winter and around the holidays, just being able to see my friends more and see my family more has been like so fun. I had to say no to so many things, which again, doesn't even really feel like a sacrifice to me because during training, I'm like, I'm so committed to it. And I love it. But after that, it's like, I just want to have fun. Um, I, people always ask me, they're like, Oh, well, do you drink when you train? It's like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but <laughs> when I'm not training, like 
I will be enjoying everything. Like, I just want to have fun. I'm a normal person. I think, again, sometimes when you see people on social media and like when their pages are, are around running and fitness, you think that is literally the only thing that they do. And you are quite literally seeing 90 seconds of that person's life. So yeah, you can have fun. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Well, Catherine, you have really given so much great advice today and wisdom for our listeners. And I really appreciated our conversation. And I am just so excited that you came on and I will list all of her socials on the or on the show notes and everything. And she has her own podcast as well, like she talked about in the beginning, which has just been it's I love her podcast. So this has been awesome, Catherine. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel like we actually could just talk for hours. So we will spare you guys. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we need to film like another episode. Like, let's do this. Like, <laughs> no, it's crazy. Like when you get two runners talking about running, they will literally just talk about it forever. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's, it's so cool to meet other people. That's definitely been the coolest thing about social media is meeting other people who are as passionate about this sport as I am. Um, I think like, like I just have found, yeah, truly so much fulfillment through social media in the past year, which sounds so crazy because social media will, will be how you use it. And you can definitely use it in a way that's not the best, but you can also use it in a way that literally helps you form connections that are like going to be lifelong connections, lifelong friends. You're going to learn so much and just feel so seen and like part of a community. And so I know that all of you guys feel that way from both of our pages. And hopefully that just like comes across of like how much love we're pouring into it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much.